This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The Minutiaman Celebrity Interview is up next. But first, take a listen to this other fine OPI show. I'm Sam. I'm Kimmy. And it's Tommy. And Friends Gets Cancelled. We're going to say all the words we can't say. Starting with... On fucking Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. The following is a Tony Lasano podcast, an Opi show on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This is the Minutia Man Celebrity Interview with Rick and Dave. Okay, on the phone right now, we have a, a former Chicago Cub. And let me paint the picture to you of who this is that we're talking to. Imagine, if you will, he's a fifth round pick. In 2002, he works his way up through the Cubs minor league system. Hard work, long bus rides, sweat on your brow, (laughs) nights of wondering, is it worth it? And then one day, you get called into the manager's office and he says, kid, (laughs) you're going to the show. It's been four hard years of work and toil and sweat. Now you have your big chance. July 9th, 2005, the manager, Dusty Baker, with his toothpick in his mouth, looks down the uh, dugout and says, Greenberg, you're batting for the pitcher. You hop up. You get your wonder bat. (laughs) You run out to the batter's box. You dig in. You feel the red clay underneath your cleats. You smell the grass. The catcher says, welcome aboard, Rook. And the umpire (laughs) says, play ball. You know that your family's out there supporting you. You hear the crowd. And then you don't hear them at all because you're in the zone. This is it. This is the beginning. The pitcher goes into the windup. You're thinking, bring it on. Then a 90-mile-an-hour fastball hits you right in the head, career over. <laughs> is that pretty much, does that pretty much sum up what happened on that day? It sounds like the good opening to the movie. So yeah, right, exactly. Right. Say you're you're hired. <laughs> yeah, right. I am available for voiceover. Yeah, it was total. That was total Field of Dreams, Moonlight Graham. There wasn't it. Uh, Tug McGraw or McGraw gets his bony finger. You know. Uh, but that was pretty much it, wasn't it? I mean, uh, we were watching that day, and you know, you're the young rookie coming up from the minors. I think you came up the same day as Matt Merton, wasn't that right? Yeah. Yep, same day. And and uh, and then boom, it's all over. And what was that like? Uh, I mean, you, you kind of painted the picture, so I think everyone who heard what you said could imagine what it was like. Um, it, it was everything you said. It was a dream come true. I'd worked my entire life, um, overcame a lot of obstacles. I mean, just in, you just think about the reality of how hard it is to get there. Eight million people try every year throughout the world in 750 spots. I'm five, eight and three quarters from Guilford, Connecticut. I mean, there's, everything is, is going against you in a game built around failure to begin yeah, with. Right. Um, so to be able to have the opportunity to get called up, I mean, obviously now I look back on it and it's, I, I can acknowledge and accept how challenge, how tough it really is. Um, but, you know, it was just like the culmination of, a life's worth of work and for one instant three tenths of a second to have the first tenth of a second and and this is how when the ball left the pitcher's hand i said don't bail out because i don't want to look stupid bailing out and have it curve over for strike one yeah right ten ten two was uh uh-oh that's that's not breaking and then it was get the heck out of the way and that was uh the ball caught me so perfect it was up under the helmet hit me square on the back of my head um, and it was just, it was, 
everything was just i guess it was meant to be but yeah it was uh it was unfortunate because i just i so badly wanted to be a part of that team and that organization and and being a part of the turnaround to win a world series but you know that's it wasn't my uh wasn't my time well that the noise of that impact was just horrific you know i mean i was watching on my couch 1300 miles away right and i mean that sound of it was just horrific it can you even do you even remember the 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 impact and the sound i mean it's just it's making my skin crawl just just thinking of it i mean what what do you remember from the impact itself yeah it's it's kind of crazy because i never lost consciousness and that sound is something that i would never forget and the feeling of Oh my God! My head just split open. Yeah. I mean, it, it, as you as you heard that noise, I mean, it was right in my ear. So it sounded like somebody took a gun and just just shot right next to my right next to my head, um, and it was so loud. And then what I immediately did is I grabbed my head, and because of how the impact felt, I thought my head split open. Yeah. So I was fearful of my life. My eyes rolled in the back of my head, and I mean, I'd never had a concussion, never had any head trauma. But, you know, you, you watch movies and you, you see people when they're when they're down and you're like the person's over standing over and going, stay with me, stay with me. And so all that I could think of was two words and it was stay alive, stay alive, stay alive. Jeez. I just repeated that three times. And then um, and, and the creepy part was my hand obviously I had batting gloves on, but my hands felt wet. Um, and that was kind of. I mean, obviously, it was just a, a visual and a feeling that I kind of was creating in my in my mind. But that was I was just so scared for my life uh, in that split second. It was just it was crazy. But, you know, at one point uh, and, you know, I've watched the video since at one point you can actually see you saying to the trainer, oh, I'm fine. Or, or yeah, <laughs> yeah like, something something to that effect. Like, you know, hey, you know, don't worry about it. Everything's cool. Um, and, and, you know, my question to you is, as a, as a married man, <laughs> Um, do you, does your wife ever, uh, get to the point where, you know, she, she's bitching about you being a baby, about having a cold and stuff and, <laughs> and you flop out. Hey, listen, honey. Yeah. Right. Right. Do you remember the time right. I got hit in the head right, with right. a baseball? Right. right. This cold is three times worse than that, honey. So give me some break. No, no she, she's good about that stuff. I mean, well, there's other stuff, but no, that, that, that's, that's, uh, she's good there, but no, the, the, you brought up a good point because I do. I've been really, really fortunate to take my story and, and, and kind of help motivate and inspire a lot of people. And the one thing that I always tell uh, when I do these speeches, I say, "What what you notice? Me speaking to the training staff, they came over and they asked a few questions. And the first question was they had me follow their finger, and then they asked me how many fingers they were holding up. And what you saw that last question was, where were you two days ago? Because they just want to make sure I was all oh, there. Oh, and, wow. And I describe it, and, and I tell people, if you really, really want something, it's not just a thought. It's not just actions. It's not just trying. It's truly feeling, believing, and kind of living that for a long time. <laughs> so when he asked me that question, my immediate not, no hesitation response was, I was in the minor leagues, and I'm not going back. <laughs> right. Oh, exactly. for you, buddy. Yeah, exactly. That, <laughs> That's fantastic. That was, uh, that was it. Uh, you know, obviously, the event had a devastating impact on your career, but it also appears that the pitcher, Valerio de los Santos, I hope I said that right, it, kind of, it, negative, it, it affected him negatively as well. I watched a couple interviews. He was never 
the same after that. Yeah. Do you keep yeah. in, do you keep in touch with him? Because he seems like a great guy. You both seem like great guys. Um, do you keep in touch? You know, does because um, maybe talk to him at all? I mean, is it uh, something? So the so how how it went down the, the next day um, was the the last game before the All Star break. So when the game ended, uh, well, he called, let me back it up. He called that night while I was in the training room and just said, he's sorry, or made sure I was okay. Um, I mean, broken English. He he wasn't Mm -hmm. like completely fluent. So it was, it was fine. I was just, it was no big deal. I'll be fine. I'm good. Um, and then the next day was really, really tough at the stadium. Uh, I remember walking outside and just the light was awful. I was nauseous. I was trying to stay in the dugout, and this was, I mean, it was embarrassing. I was going into the clubhouse, and Greg Maddox was there, and Kerry Wood was there, and all these guys were in the clubhouse during the game, and I'm on the couch barely able to keep my eyes open yeah. and, and felt so embarrassed. It was it was really frustrating. Yeah. Um, and then after the game ended, I was walking out of the clubhouse or out of the stadium, and he happened to be driving by with his wife, stopped the car, just once again, reiterated i'm sorry is everything okay how are you feeling and for all intensive purposes i was just like yeah i'm good so that was kind of that was the extent until uh they did an outside the lines piece and i saw him say i i thought uh, this guy's dead i mean and, and hearing him say that it was like oh my god <laughs> yeah um, it was it was it was a lot but then then we did just kind of has as fate would have it um, I think it was 2010, 2011. You'd have to kind of look back and double check. But he was in the independent league in Long Island, and I was playing in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And the first game, first night of the season, we happened to face each other in the eighth inning. Oh, my God. From, uh, oh, my God. <laughs> what was going through your mind at that time? So <laughs> it was uh, it, it was it was interesting because I was ready to just get it over with. Right. Yeah. I, just, I wanted to face him and I want to get it over with. And sure enough, he throws me, acknowledged him. He acknowledged me. And then the first pitch he threw me was like a 90 mile an hour cutter on the inside part towards me and cut over for strike one. I backed down. I was like, dude, if you're good. I'm yeah, good. Let's, right. let's freaking go. <laughs> um, That's awesome. So I, I, I ended up getting a base hit and uh, it was a long at bat, fought off a bunch of pitches, but I dug in like, like I'd never have my entire life. He was not going to get me out. I love it. That's yeah. Cool. I, so you, you mentioned playing in the independent league. Uh, so after this all happened, you, you played in the minors for a, a long time, trying to get yep. back up uh, to the big leagues and it, it didn't work out, but then the Marlins in 2012 gave you one at bat at the end of the year. Uh, tell us a little bit about how that how that happened and what, what went on with that. Yeah, so I'll just back it up quickly because the, the, the part of the story that's really important is it wasn't just they just gave me an at bat. I mean, I was after my injury, I did suffer from positional vertigo, vision issues, stuff that, that you couldn't see. Um, 2007, I, re- I, I got, uh, I was doing vision training with the visual edge performance trainer and basically took my eyesight where I couldn't even take a triangle with 3d glasses and put it into a rectangle. I was 13 steps away when I took my glasses off. So I was trying to hit and my eyes weren't working together. Gotcha. And I did that for an entire year. So 
when I, when I came, when I was able to finally get healthy, then I was basically like everyone else, not in your own farm system. No one's invested in you. So if you're doing well, great. If you struggle, you're gone. You just become a commodity. It's a cutthroat business. (laughs) It is. And, and I'm, and I'm okay with, with that. And I, every time I got close with each team or organization, either an injury or a manager resigning or something would happen, not making excuses. It just was part of the game. Right. So um, I ended up having a shoulder surgery, diving for a ball in the independent league after Dusty Baker told me with the Reds at the end of spring training and a couple guys with them, you're going to be in the big leagues. The next day get released because of the way the roster shook out. Um, So life was challenging um, to say the least. And then in 2012, the um, there was a, a gentleman by the name of Matt Liston, who's a huge Cubs fan, baseball fanatic. Um, did uh, a couple thirty for thirties, um, and uh, called me and just said, "Hey, I want to help get you back to the big leagues." <laughs> um, <laughs> Thank you. Sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, at, and at this point in my career, the only reason why I was even entertaining a conversation with the guys because he told me he was buddies with the guy who did the outside lines piece who I became close with. So I'm like, all right, there's credibility. I'll, I'll, I'll entertain the conversation. Um, but at the end of the, at the end of us speaking, what he ultimately had was passion in his voice. He said, what happened to you is wrong. And I want to do whatever I can to help get you back to the big leagues. And I, I kind of was looking going, well, my agent sure is not going to have the same passion that you do. Yeah. So, if you can get me to spring training, if you can get a team interested, what the hell? By all means, yeah. knock yourself well, yeah, out. Sure. So, so that's what he did. And I told him, I said, I'll be ready. You just, you get me an opportunity. Um, and I never, ever in my entire life wanted a handout, and I still don't for anything. I want to work for it and earn it and deserve it. Um, and, and, and so even with what I was going through, that was, it was still so important to me. So it, I, I actually took, the first half of the season off. So it's the, the story is just crazy. I took half the season off, then got a call from Brad Osmus to play on team Israel, went down, tried out, made the team felt amazing. Tra- worked out um, with my hitting coach for a few days just to kind of refine everything. And I felt back to being a, a major leaguer. And this played was a, for the world games or whatever they, they call it. Yeah. But they? at the time for, for us in 2012 for team Israel, they hadn't, they hadn't made the, the games yet. So it was a qualifying tournament. Okay. So, but what ended up happening was Liston behind the scenes had connected with the Marlins um, and, and was kind of just brought aware of more what was really going on with my, my personal life and the story. And the classic was at the Marlins spring training site. So they just so happened to have some scouts go and taken a look. And, and, and it's funny because I, I speak it and I was taught it all the time. It's what are you doing when nobody's looking? And, and how are you acting, behaving, training, playing, whatever? And they basically were all eyes on me. And I had no, you had no idea. Yeah. So I didn't know who was there, who was watching. And what they were doing is basically seeing if I was basically able to perform at that level. So it wouldn't be a, all right, we're just going to give this guy mm-hmm. a shot. Right, exactly. Um, so when when we lost the championship game, in, I don't I don't think it was extra innings, but it was like a five-hour game. It was crazy. And it was a Sunday night. It was It was like – my heart got sucked out of my the life of me because I was like, if I could just go to spring training time 
playing in the World Baseball Classic and play well, I'll get an opportunity. That was like my whole plan. And so when we lost, I was completely heartbroken. Um, Matt Liston was there. They were filming, videoing, kind of like doing a, a, a mini documentary. And and he did. He wanted to do an exit interview, and I was like, "Dude, I'm not in a good mood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> uh, just give me yeah. my time. Give me a like, day. The last, <laughs> yeah, like it's the last time I'm going to be taking off my cleats. Potentially, just give me my space. Mm-hmm. So, so I finally come out of the clubhouse, and um, he puts on the mic, and I reiterate, I said, "Dude, not in a good mood. So just you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to fake anything. So, so he starts asking one question, and then his phone rings. And mind you, it's like 1030 at night on a Sunday. So his phone rings and it was, I saw the name because it was the iPhone. I saw David Sampson across. My heart starts kind of beating. I'm like, no way. Like, you know, that weird. Yeah. Nah. So he, he says, yeah, hold on. Adam's right here. So he puts the phone on speaker and David starts kind of getting into how you doing? I'm like, not good. <laughs> and and then he's uh, he goes, listen, we were there seven years ago when you got hit. We obviously felt bad, but we didn't follow your career. We thought for all intents and purposes, you were good, blah, blah, blah. He said, your story came to us recently, and I just want you to know um, we've, we've, we sent our scouts. We've watched everything that you did. You've conducted yourself well, and you are a big leaguer. You were a big leaguer, and we want to give you that opportunity. Oh and as soon as he said that, I was like, this son of a bitch did it. Like, yeah, like, wow. like, I mean, so you're in a better mood all of a sudden, right? <laughs> oh, it, was, it was terrible because of my, all my teammates. It was like, it was for the country. Yeah. Hey, Greenberg, so, easy over there. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to kind of suppress my emotions yeah, sure. around my teammates and then, to make matters worse, I was told I'm not allowed to say anything to really anybody outside my immediate family to, if they were needed to get a flight because they were wanting to announce it on the Today Show like three days later. Oh, my God. So it was uh, the whirlwind of emotions. And, um, but, yeah, it was just – it was magical because, as I kind of talk about it, it was so much bigger than me getting an at-bat it was just like what it represented to so many people. And that's why I think so many took to the story because they could kind of see themselves in their life and, and the struggles and challenges and just what happens when you don't give up. So, so, so why haven't they made a movie of this yeah, story yet? I mean, this is a, this is an unbelievable story. Um, I mean, listen, maybe one day they, maybe one day they will, but yeah. um, you know, we've got people. We're going to, we're yeah, going yeah, to get, yeah. 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 That this, sounds like a challenge. Yeah. That's right. Go, yeah, by all means. You know, and I imagine some of the stuff that we have talked about is in your book. You published a book. Or you had a book published in 2017, the um, Get Up, the Art yep. of Perseverance. And yep. you know, what lessons can you teach? Well, specifically, my daughter Julia, who is quick, who has quit every sport she's ever done since she was six. <laughs> you know, but no, seriously, what can you know? What are some of the things? I mean, you are you are remarkably inspired, inspiring. You know, you've gone through so much, but, you know, tell us a little bit about the book and, you know, what is the art of perseverance? You know, what what have you learned? I know some of the things you've talked. Well, I've learned that you have to find your own passion, whatever it is, and, and, and no one can push that on you. You have to be sparked. You have to be inspired. And as soon as you are, then it's it's up to you to determine how far you want to take it. Um, and, and it's, it's really about setting small attainable goals 
and just not giving up, understanding mm-hmm. that failure is eminent. It's going to happen and basically reveling in that failure. And that's a hard thing because we're taught failing is bad. Sure. We're taught if you don't memorize and study and, and, and pass your test, you've failed and you're a failure. Um, and, and the facts are the most wealthiest, most successful business owners, the six most successful athletes, the most successful people in anything, they have failed over and over and over and they've learned from it, they've improved, and it's that, that whole art of deep practice, right? When you fail and you you want to overcome it, you don't want anyone to do it for you. You you do it yourself. But that that's from within. So I always talk about knowing as I, no one can push something on you. No one can say, Yeah, you, you have to play this sport or you have to play this instrument or you have to do this job. When you see that, that that's going on, you gotta recognize it and, and find your own passion. And once you do, that's when it's you, you recognize right from the beginning it's going to be hard. There's going to be challenges, and as long as you don't give up, um, that's that's the biggest thing that that I've I've learned, and I've seen it in not just sports and not just business, but in health and wellness and all the things that relate to a life a life that makes people happy. Um, it's it's you want something bad enough, just don't give up, and um, and 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 that's really i mean in essence that's what that's what the art of perseverance is all oh, about that's great so you recently uh dipped your toe into politics um you ran for a state senate seat in connecticut so what was worse uh, facing a 90 mile an hour fastball or politics. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Getting beamed or dealing with the, the, the they political. They both sound pretty bad. <laughs> well, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Politics is, uh, is far worse because you can train for, uh, you can train for a 90 mile an hour pa- fastball, but you can't train for somebody to make up lies and say whatever yeah. they want. And just, yeah. it's just, it's just, it's a free for all. And, and yeah. it was the reason I ran was, the, the things that I stand for is just doing what's right, like having somebody else's best interest and getting your own ego out of the equation. And so much of the problem now, obviously, if you say one thing, I have to say the other. If, you, yeah. if I may agree with you, I'm just going to oppose you. I mean, it, the whole leadership, uh, how we're how, and I, I did it for my kids, really. I, I'm just I was so fed up with how people are looking up or lack they're looking up to leadership um, and what that actually means to be a leader. And then, you know, just when you're in, in charge of making decisions, like it's, it's what happened to doing what's right. And that's as a ball player, I was just head down, do what I have to do. If you can attack me, I'll just work harder. If you're going to, whatever the laws are, the rule, that was it. And then as I got more mature and outside and in the real world and, it's it was like wow people actually don't have my and my kids and my the people that i feel good about it's best interests so. yeah. no they <laughs> don't what wait a minute what <laughs> yeah. news on the march here i didn't hear you know. uh yeah well um in 2014 you were inducted into the national jewish hall of fame last week we had dwight stones who is also an inductee and i went to hebrew school with bobby burland who's also in the hall of fame so you and i were basically brothers um, it sounds like it sounds about right. Uh, you must have been the best player on your synagogue's softball team, were you? Unless Ryan Braun was on your team, <laughs> you were by far the best, right? Uh, well, I never actually. My my dad played um, when I, I was too young. They wouldn't allow me to play on the softball team, and um, 
And then when I got old enough, then they wanted me to play. And I said, yeah, you didn't want me then. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> yeah, forget it. <laughs> Get Sheldon Gilbert over there. You know, Morty Rabinowitz could play. I'm not playing anymore. <laughs> Dave has an encyclopedic knowledge of every Jewish ball player that ever played the game. Well, you mentioned Brad Osmus already and Hank Greenberg. <laughs> yeah. Before we continue any further with Minutia Men's Celebrity Interview, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. On back to you. Steve and I ask each other the question, have you ever? Please don't tell my business that's personal. A fascinating question with more fascinating answers. Things that make you go, hmm. On back to you. Back to you with Howard Sudbury and Steve Baskerville. You can find Back to You on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits. This ought to be fun to listen to. We hope you'll like it. (laughs) Coming up on the next episode of the Car Guys Report, Informed Automotive, we'll tell you about some undervalued classics that are great buys. I'm Mark Vernon. Join me and Luke Costable for this story and more on the Car Guys Report, a Tony Lasano podcast, an OPI production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. This week on Free Kicks with Adam and Rick. We're going to talk about Eric Lamella's incredible goal, which we call a... A Rabona. Listen to Free Kicks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. Rabona. We are back with more Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. Well, Adam, we really want to uh, thank you very much for coming on with us. This has been a fun conversation. And, uh, you know, we, we really respect and admire you and, and all that you've done. And, and keep up the good work. Good luck. And, I, we're, yeah, you are... You are a far better person than I am, you know, because I would have been a weepy little baby after that, that, that being cut it out. Right. That hurts. Ouch. Right. And I would have, and I would have been pissed and I would have been bitter, but you took all of that and made, and made something out of yourself. Good for you, you know? And, uh, yeah, Adam, thanks. So we really appreciate your time, buddy. All right, Rick, David, thank you so much. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Take it easy. Thanks, man. All right. Pretty impressive guy. Yeah. I mean, talk about a guy that, I mean, seriously, could have just folded up the tent, you know, could have just, you know, we would have been weepy little crying little babies. And, you know, it's and we kind of used to make fun of of Adam, uh, just the the concept of getting to that point, but not uh, not making it. But, you know, not not really. I mean, not we didn't make fun of him, but you know what I mean? It was like a, a, almost a, a total Cubs story. Right. You know, right, right. back in the days when the Cubs were known as the lovable losers. Exactly. Right? And, and every, yeah, everything that bad could happen would happen to somebody, you know, in a and, and, jersey. And clearly what a stand up guy and what a great um really a very inspirational guy and um for you kids out there yeah you know yeah, no get, get up and his book uh 2017 uh or it was released in 2017 get up is the name of the book yeah the perseverance and um really very impressed and you know even as a Sox fan i can give this cub x cub a yeah you know a thumbs up buddy well that's it for this week's edition of the minutia men celebrity interview special thanks to executive producer tony lasano with opishows.com opi is hippo backwards o-p-p-i-h shows.com distributed by ed silla radio misfits great talk radio isn't dead it's just moved to a better place radiomisfits.com
And we will be back again next week with another edition of the Minutia Men Celebrity Interview. This OPI podcast was recorded at an earlier date. Some material may be outdated and or mentioned under different circumstances. Consult your local health authorities for the latest on COVID-19. The proceeding was a presentation of OPI Productions. Find our other shows wherever you find podcasts, including opishows.com. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Opie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? This is Stick to Everything. I'm Larry. And I'm Paul M. Banks. In this episode, we get a little deep about things. Everything from famous musicians to even human interaction. I tell you the story of the Zlatan Ibrahimovic versus LeBron James stick to sports debate through my Zlatan accent. And if you're a fan of Punky Brewster, be sure to tune in because I've got my favorite episode on tap. Listen to Stick to Everything podcast with Larry Holly and Paul M. Banks on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts, just search for Radio Misfits. What is the deal with all these little, little liquor bottles? Uh, yesterday was my sister's birthday, and as Germans, I just thought it would be fun to buy a bunch of little ones. And as it turns out, I bought too many. You've got some crap here. You got yeah. Rumple Mints. Oh, it's awful. 99 Apple. Uh, that is uh, Apple Schnapps. That oh. is 99 proof. Are you kidding me? No. Holy crap. Which means it probably doesn't taste like apples at all. <laughs> be my guess. So this is 50% alcohol, Oh, right? yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. You want one? Oh, my God. This <laughs> this apple stuff is... <laughs> this is terrible. Yeah. Yeah, all of these are so horrible. Ugh. No, not even a hint of an apple. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to Minutia Men on Spotify, opishows.com, or wherever you find podcasts. Just search for Radio Misfits.